0: Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 167. As always, I'm joined by Jordan.
1: As always, I'm joined by Jared. How you doing today, Jared? I'm doing great.
0: Little Bum Dom's not with us this week. Um, I always appreciate what no, we're well We got you, and,
1: and I'll tell you what, Jared. Whenever you're on the show, it makes it a whole lot better than when you're not, which is never, so I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, I have perfect attendance, because
0: the uh, podcasts I'm not on don't exist, because whenever I'm not able to be on it, they just, you know, they don't happen. Just how it works. Um, The Meister. Yeah. In terms of what we've been playing, so obviously there was two new games that came out last week, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Shaw. Pokemon Sword and Shield, which I purchased. Sword, you you got Shield, correct?
1: You know what, Jared? It's uh, it's Jared Sword, Jordan Shield.
0: Jared Sword, Jordan Shield. I'll start off with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order first, because that's the game I played less of the two. Now, Jared, I'm actually gonna interrupt you here,
1: as if okay. I don't already do that constantly. Um, I just want to say you don't know this, but I actually played both of these games.
0: Oh wow. I'm interested. So, obviously, for those listening, before we hop into it, spoiler-free, 100% for Jedi Fallen Order. Pokemon, I doubt we'll get into the narrative of it necessarily, so I doubt there will be spoilers, but we'll try to avoid those. I mean, there are a couple of things I can think of. But, yeah, yeah, don't worry about spoilers here. So, in terms of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, I didn't actually get to play a whole lot of it. I'm probably, I want to say, maybe three and a half, four hours in. Maybe that's too much. So, I'm in... You know when you get your first choice of either going to, uh, Daramir, I believe is the Dothamir, name of the planet, Dothamir or Maul the other on one,
1: planet.
0: yeah, or the Tefo. other one, Zepho. Yeah, I went to Zepho. and Me I'm, too. I want to assume that I'm like almost near the end of it. Um, okay. This isn't a spoiler to the actual map level. There's a, you know, the goat-like creatures. Yes. There's a section in that on that level. Where you come to a little field with a bunch of them, I'm right past that section. If you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, maybe you haven't gotten to that part yet, or you're past me. No, her. I've
1: I've finished uh, Zephos. Okay. Last night or the night before last. Um,
0: it's right before the big elevator. There's obviously more to that, but I don't want to spoil it for people. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm there, and it's just one of those things that I didn't have a whole lot of sit down console play time. And that's why when I get yeah. into... I guess I'll just hop into it now, and then you can do your Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Pokemon stuff. Or do you want to maybe talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? Um, I, yeah, i I'd say I'd... We,
1: we just have a joint discussion on these two games specifically.
0: Okay, so so far what I'll say is... I haven't experienced any of the bugs people have, have experienced in terms of uh, game-breaking stuff or weird glitchy stuff. The most prominent issue, and pretty much the only issue I've encountered... Is texture pop in? Um, yeah, yeah. Which isn't. It's less. It's less worrisome in the actual environments and characters for me, and it mostly affects signs, like specific signs in signs. in the level design, and in the actual menus. Like Cal and BD One have some weird texture uh, loading issues.
1: Uh, happens on original Xbox One.
0: Or- Original Xbox One, yeah, so... Okay. Um, old system. And I, 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 you know, attribute some of that to that, that I'm playing on the oldest system possible, that also being the original PS4, obviously. Um, so it hasn't bothered me too much, hasn't really taken me out of the world. Thankfully, like I said, I haven't encountered some of the terrible bugs and issues I've read about. I Obviously, will hear about if you've encountered some of those. Um, but those were like the big Achilles heel of this game. If you followed any of the critical reception of this game, people have lauded how good the combat is. Uh, Not that it's anywhere original or kind of pushing anything forward. It just takes a lot of the best parts of really good games and matches them all together. And that it's a really good Star Wars game in the sense of it captures what Star Wars is. What I will say is... I think that the combat's really good. Obviously, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm unlocking these Force abilities, so I'm interested to see how those play in terms of difficulty. In terms of difficulty, so, I'm playing on the second to the hardest, which is Jedi Knight, I believe. I think uh, it's Jedi Knight.
1: Jedi Knight would be normal. The one above then, that. Then Master and Grandmaster are the two hardest.
0: It's. I believe it's Master then. It's okay. the one, it's the highest one that you can do that's not unlocked, uh, that isn't locked at the beginning. I'm pretty sure it's Master then. Oh, uh,
1: Grandmaster is unlocked at the beginning. Number four.
0: Okay, then, it's not Grandmaster. I think it's Master.
1: It's Padawan, Knight, Master,
0: Grandmaster. Master. It's the third one. Yeah. Cool. I'm pretty sure it's Master then.
1: Cool. Uh, what were we going to say though? Um, just bridging off of glitches or, uh, performance, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, I, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because, uh, before the show you were just talking to me about, um, looking forward to the consoles for next year. Right. And, um, I honestly think Jared that that is what I want more than anything else is I would just like to see a level of polish in games that isn't, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about like, um, I want them to be more like Nintendo games than the level of polish or that I want them to have better AAA production quality I'm saying I would like to see um, some of the loose ends tied up some of the seams to be sewn up where uh, texture pop-in is a great example of that like you're talking about or another thing that I'm seeing in uh, Jedi Fallen Order is like I'll get done with a really great cutscene between these two really realistic characters where the uncanny Valley isn't that bad and it's really engaging. And then the cutscene ends and my character standing in view of the camera. And then like, boom, the character that I was just talking to pops up next to me, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> just video game stuff, you know, yep. just stuff like yeah. that. I'm wondering when we're going to finally kind of close that gap. Because that isn't necessarily like, oh, I walked backwards on the third Tuesday of the year in this specific spot in this specific game and it caused the game to crash, right? It's not something super specific like that. It's more just the way the game connects or like a cutscene will transition from one shot to another and like, like if the second shot is a ship flying through the sky, then the ship will like, Pop into the cutscene a second after the the shot switches. Yeah. Um, stuff like that, where it's like, um, I would really just like to see those seams sewn up, if you will. uh, That's the focus. Triple A gaming.
0: That's the focus I want for next gen too. Like, honestly, I don't really, I don't say I don't care, but. Visual improvements are not going to be extraordinary moving forward, right? Like it's not yeah, going to be crisp a huge and, leap
1: and resolution type stuff.
0: Yeah, and even like in the jump from like really polygonal stuff on the sixty-four to what we got afterwards, right? Of like fully yeah. rendered models and stuff like that. We're never going to really see that jump again, in terms of. Um, visual feedback. The stuff you're talking about, like the, the the video gamey stuff, I think is the best way to label it. Like, if you yeah. play video games for long enough you understand what we're talking about. It's just these things that happen. And they're not they, they can pull you out of the game, but they're not super based on performance. It's just kind of the way the code works in the game and how things work with but one another. But that's what it does,
1: is it's pulling me out of the game. Like I said, yeah. I just I watch this super engaging cutscene, and I'm getting into the story and the music is there, and the the visuals are there and then i in the cutscene, and they do a nice fade out fade back up and it's like they're nailing some of the stuff and this is not just jedi in order or just respawn entertainment but they're nailing some of that stuff and then other stuff is like boom that character pops into the the shot and it's like well that is something that you're really only going to see in a video game so yeah it's it's video gamey stuff you know
0: uh real quick what uh uh, lightsaber color are you rocking Norm- you know, for the most part?
1: So I'm really not too much farther than you. I basically just finished Zepho and I'll give you a tip on Dothamir that I looked up um, without you having to get spoiled or anything even though I didn't either. Um, you can't complete Dothamir until you finish Kashyyyk and you unlock Kashyyyk uh, when you finish zepho Got it, cool. So what I'm doing and what I would recommend is Finish Zeffo, head to Kashyyyk, and then go to Dathomir once you're able. Because, you know, it's like the Metroidvania thing of, like, you're not going to be able to access certain areas until you do Kashyyyk.
0: Yeah. I knew that I was going to wait a bit to go to Dathomir going in because part of one of the things I read said that if you want to get a taste for how difficult this game can get out of the gate, go to yeah. Dathomir first, That's check it out, and then head to Zepho.
1: Yeah, so yeah.
0: I was like, okay, I'll, I'll wait to get there. Um,
1: yeah. cause I went to the planet, but then before I got out of the ship, I just jumped back and went to Kashyyyk because uh, it it kind of felt like the natural third planet, um after Zepho but because you know it popped up along with Zepho. but going to the planet, the other characters are like, "You sure you want to do this? This is a crazy <laughs> fucking place," you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's best suited for after Kashyyyk sometime which it gives you the choice but you know is what it is so um so with all that being said I've still only encountered two lightsaber colors uh and so I'm rocking green cool so for me you actually got orange as a pre-order bonus which oh which I didn't do important to note that I you know I talked last week on the show about not getting uh need for speed heat or uh, Jedi Fallen Order from EA Day 1 because of how bad I got screwed on their last games and those kind of respective series. And uh, I literally waited till Day 2 for Jedi Fallen Order, and then I was like, okay, at least I got the release day. Everybody's freaking out. It sounds like they didn't Battlefront this shit. And so that's when I jumped in. So no pre-order, lightsaber.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I dodged the bullet of Anthem, obviously. You didn't. So... I'm trying to think the last EA game that I bought that disappointed me was probably Andromeda. And I mean, disappoint is a strong word there. Like, it wasn't to the point of, like, Anthem for you, right? <laughs> it wasn't, like, to yeah. that extent. Um, yeah. Obviously, didn't still hit the mark I expected of a Mass Effect game, but neither here nor there. So back to the orange lightsaber color. So when I, un- when I got it, I was like, oh, that's really cool because you don't really see orange lightsabers. So I equipped right. it. The biggest problem with using an orange lightsaber is Cal is ginger. So, it just doesn't feel right. It's weird. It's like, oh, (laughs) Ah. the redheaded dude's rocking an orange lightsaber. It's like a very, like.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh, you got me, Jared.
0: (coughs) That took me out of it. You know what I mean? That completely removed any kind of immersion I was having because I was like, it just is bad. Like, if you you were to see something Star Wars related and the ginger dude has an orange lightsaber, wouldn't you have a bit of an eye roll? You know what I mean? It's like. That is
1: so funny that you brought that up. I didn't even (laughs) think about that it is dude i've honestly like since you just like straight up called him a ginger i'll be a little more delicate i have thought about it being like how many main character protagonists not even of games of of even movies can you think of that have red hair that are men like redheaded women are are always in fashion right but like Redheaded men don't, they usually get the <laughs> short end of the stick kind of thing, you know? So.
0: I think Archie and um, Riverdale is like the only shining example because he's like the heartthrob in that show. You know what I mean? Right. Other than and that, I can't really.
1: That is a total die job, you know? They couldn't even like, yeah. get an actual so called ginger on the show, you know? That's another thing is like you just don't see like a lot of redheaded men in Hollywood. Um, so, anyways, with all that being said. It has been interesting to see him uh, in this big leading role because the only other thing I know him from, which I didn't really watch, was Gotham. And, you know, he doesn't... The red hair isn't quite as prominent, maybe, is is the best way to put it. So... um, To the actual game. How about that? Um, The combat, I think, is solid. It's another example for me, Jared, of... People looking at From Software games and going, wow, this is fucking dope. Let's do this in our game, in our God of War, in our Jedi Fallen Order, you know. But From Software is on another level when it comes to that specific game making style and um, proficiency of combat creation. That is not something that many people in the world can fuck with and respawn entertainment and the Sony Santa Monica's of the world there's other games like this these are great studios and they make really great triple-a blockbuster um, story based story driven games I should say Um, but they're not hard nose combat studios you know and that is what fucking from software is about they specialize in that and these other studios do not specialize in that so when they try to come through and play in the masters arena they're just not up to par right and so it sounds like i'm being really harsh here just just to reiterate what i've said before on the show is just that these these other studios are not up to par when it comes to the combat expertise that from software has and so when they try to take bloodborne's combat and put it in God of War, or Jedi Fallen Order, it's not quite there, now, that doesn't mean that these, uh, games don't have solid combat, I definitely enjoy myself quite a bit in them, but, um, they, to me, are mimicking something that they just aren't able to reach the heights of, so, there is that, um, but I still, nonetheless, kind of wish that combat was a a little more of a focus as opposed to like exploration and puzzle solving in this game um, that is actually something that it borrows heavily from the God of War series and even like more classic God of War than the reboot is the puzzle solving specifically but also some of the exploration aspects of the game um, which I'm enjoying but like I said I do wish you know you're a fucking Jedi I would I would love if it was uh, more kind of on the from software side of things where combat is a bit more of the focal point of the experience. But nonetheless, I'm still glad to have a deep story, which I am, uh, enjoying quite a bit, you know, four or five hours into the game. Um, maybe a little more than that, but, um, I think I've made it clear at this point that I've needed Uh, a bit of a rejuvenating experience when it comes to Star Wars and I think I'm really getting that so far with both the Mandalorian uh, first couple episodes and now first few hours of Jedi Fallen Order so I'm very glad uh, when it comes to the whole Star Wars of it all we'll see about episode 9 here in a month or so but um, from that aspect I'm definitely enjoying it Um, and I do think it is. It was worth the purchase. I'm I'm cool that I bought it, and uh, I am I'm excited to play it. You know, and and you know, recently that hasn't always been the case with me uh, when it comes to video games. So, I can I, that may be the best praise I can give it is just that I am excited, pretty much every night to come home from work and and throw her on. The thing I love about respawn too is. Not
0: only have they so far in my experience, too, and I think even by the time I finish this game, I doubt I'll be down on it by any means. I might have some more criticisms of it, but I doubt yeah. I'll be actually down on it. The thing with them is they finally delivered a Star Wars game that Star Wars fans or people who are just, like, partially interested in the franchise can be proud to say they're playing. It's not like a, yeah, I'm playing Battlefront 2, you know, one of those kind of things. Right. And in right. the same year, they delivered a, a Battle Royale game for a more mature audience that can actually compete Quote, unquote, obviously not literally uh, with Fortnite um, because we had PUBG, but it isn't as polished as Apex yeah. Legends is, right? So shout out to Respawn. Uh, to the lightsaber point, <laughs> uh, I obviously blue's the default one. Uh, that's not a spoiler. It's in all the trailers and stuff. I went with green as well. Um, it just felt Love right it. for him. I don't know. I, I went through both of them and I was like, am I feeling blue? Am I feeling green? Obviously, I tried the orange. I was like, Ugh, no. No. So, yeah, I'm rocking green as well. orange
1: for Jared. I think I'll end up with purple once I unlock it, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, would you like to move on to Pokemon?
0: Yeah, so I've already beaten the game. Ho-ho! I have 32 hours in it. (laughs) Good lord!
1: It it hasn't even been a
0: week. No, no. Uh... And it's just because it's one of those, it, it being on the Switch and being handheld, I did play maybe an hour or an hour and a half on, uh, like, docked. But, yeah, majority of the time it's just been like, I have some free time, let me pick an it up. An hour of those
1: 32 in. hours was docked. Wow.
0: Yeah. And I think it's wow. just, like, the the muscle memory of, I've always played Pokemon games handheld, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's just, it's, it's home there. Uh... What I will say, and I know Dom would hate this because uh, he's so down on animal, the look of Animal Crossing and Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me, I think obviously this is a step in the right direction for Pokemon, and I would like it to take another step. But this, it's a really pretty game for a Pokemon game, and I hate to qualify it like that. But coming Ooh. from Sword and Shield, I'm really enjoying it. I love the the scope and the size of things. The way they look, obviously, it's still, you're you're exploring the same size of areas, essentially. You don't have more room to explore outside of the wild area. Um, I, like I told you on, I think it was last week's podcast, this is the first game I've ever done where I immediately boxed my starter Pokemon and ran with a team of six other Pokemon. Dude,
1: okay, let's jump in right there, because I looked at them, I agree. Water's not great. The water uh, line is not great. But I think uh, the grass is cool, even though the middle one is a weird yellow color. I think he should be green. Um, yeah. And, dude, I'm loving my fire evolution line. I have seen... I went ahead, just because you scared me, I went ahead and checked what the <laughs> evolutionary line was. Because I, I like Scorbunny. So I was yeah. like, I could just keep him from evolving as Score Bunny. And then, dude, the... Uh, fuck, I don't know what the middle one's name is. But he looks like a goddamn Naruto fucking ninja shinobi and i'm i'm super into it and i He's, like the third one too so the middle evolution of score bunny i think is the best
0: non-base design like, i think the three base designs for the okay. stars are all cute i think score bunny's okay. middle evolution is far and away the best middle evolution uh oh, dude, both Sabu awesome. and grookey's middle evolution change color for some reason and they're both ugly
1: the yellow grookey evolution looks bad if they just made it green i, I think it looks cool otherwise
0: Uh, score Bunny's final evolution is, is fine. I don't think it's terrible, but I have an anti fire starter agenda that I've pushed for (laughs) for every generation.
1: Ultra pro fire starter agenda. Yeah.
0: And to me, I was like, I'm not going to get score bunny and level it up to its middle evolution. Uh, it just seemed like a waste of time when I can maybe spend some more time leveling up a Pokemon. I do love. So what I did is I went in and I was like, I don't want to use any of these starters personally. I'm wow. going to look at all – I'm going to – not look at, but I'm going to explore and find – because I didn't know about any other uh, new Pokemon outside of the ones they, like, uh, promoted. So, like, Corvanite, the taxi cab uh, bird, and maybe a sure. couple of the other grass ones, and Dreadnought, which is the big turtle guy. But yep. there was a, a bevy of new Pokemon that I didn't know about. So, one of them is Toxel, who's a little, like, purple baby dinosaur now, guy
1: that's – You've beaten the game. If we can, I would like to not be spoiled on any Pokemon. I I I know what you're talking about, the one you just mentioned, but Okay. Um and especially Evolutions too is like I've been really very careful media blackout about that and it's been really fun so far, so
0: Okay, so I'll just say on Toxel. He looks like a little baby dinosaur wearing a diaper and for some reason, it, it gave me the energy of the baby dinosaur from the show Dinosaurs back in the 90s. Okay. And that baby, most people don't know its name. I didn't know its name. I had to Google it. That baby character's name that says, not the mama, not the mama. was named Sinclair, which I just thought was a cool, like, original-sounding Pokemon nickname. So I, I nicknamed it Sinclair. <laughs> okay. not going to spoil its evolution. I'll leave it there. Yeah. But yeah. what I will say is it's a poison type as a base, and it turns into a dual type when it evolves, which is really cool. Um, oh, that is
1: cool.
0: Another cool thing about this game that I found out after the fact, because it's a cutscene you see when you beat the game, and this isn't spoilers, don't worry, it's like a weird side little thing, is, so obviously Grookey's final evolution is playing drums, right? There's, they made it a point in this game to have a set of, ev- uh, about four or five different Pokemon, that and their final evolution are music related. So at the end of the game, there's a band playing of Pokemon and it makes sense based on what they're doing. Spoilers. It's like, it's not, I don't think it's spoilers. It's not like, uh, you're uh, talking
1: about the end of the game. It's spoilers. I mean, I'm not upset by the spoiler, but it's spoilers.
0: It's like midway through the credits as credits are going over the screen. It's just like a little cutesy. Could not be more the end of the game. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy a lot of the gym leaders. I thought the story for a Pokemon game was unique enough
1: to what the other ones have done. Um, There wasn't... Just finished Fire Gym and got to the next town, did a couple little things. Okay. So,
0: one thing... I know that there's different trainers for each version. I think... I think I have the fighting gym leader and you have the ghost gym leader. Gotcha. Because the fighting gym leader is, uh, if I was a weeaboo, she'd I'd have a body pillow of her. She's super cool. Holy goodness. Do, the only reason I'm saying that is it's, it's a really cool design for a, a Pokemon gym leader in the sense of she's she has to be either Polynesian or something. She comes in. She's like a, a kickboxer. She has like a... Like gray hair, but like silvery gray hair. She's not not like an old lady or anything, but just a really cool design. Uh, yeah. Probably my favorite gym leader in the game because her, her team in comparison to gym leaders of previous games with fighting types is a lot more varied and interesting. Uh, that's one thing I will say too without spoiling it is as you go on, the gym leaders do some interesting... Uh, unique things for a Pokemon game in the terms of how you fight them and how you set that up. And all the gyms in general. What do you think you know about Dynamax? Uh, I think Dynamaxing is lame. Gigantamaxing yeah. is really cool. So the difference yeah. there for people who don't know is Dynamaxing is the gimmick uh, mechanic in this game where you hit your bracelet thing and your Pokemon grows ten times its size. It gains some health. It gains some power. And it has access to uh, Dynamax versions of moves. Uh, They're type-based. So if your Pokemon has two different electric moves and two different rock moves when you Dynamax, those two electric moves are technically the same move. They're not different moves. When you Gigantamax, and this is when your Pokemon has a high enough Dynamax level, which is a separate thing you can upgrade through items you get in the game, and I think just through Dynamax fighting, like uh, turning it into Dynamax, Gigantamax changes the physical appearance of certain pokemon at okay. launch people thought it was only like eight pokemon but now that the game's been out in the wild <clears throat> excuse me there's been like i think upwards of 20 that have had different various forms me personally playing through the game i've seen about probably 12 to 15 of them and they drastically change the look of pokemon um you're not gonna have a bay or Bia, bay b b i'm gonna go with b you're not going to be in your game. That's the fighting gym leader. So I'm going to spoil this for you. I go it real quick. You don't have her in your game. You do have the ghost cool. type. So her final Pokemon is Machamp. And Machamp's gigantic. So if you were to Dynamax Machamp, he'd just get big and he'd look like Machamp, just much larger with like a red highlight on him. The Gigantamax version of uh, Machamp, and this isn't a good version because he's probably the least creative change, but he... He's, he gets orange veins that, that uh, float throughout his entire body. All four of his fists start glowing like they're on fire. And his face changes a little bit too and has like volcanic eyes.
1: There's So it's visually similar to what they were doing with the character designs in Mega Evolutions.
0: Yes. Gigantamax is Mega Evolutions. Dynamax is they just get bigger. That's the best way to describe it. Where there are physical changes. Some, not so much, and are not super interesting, like Machamp. Some, way cooler and way more interesting that I don't want to spoil for Jordan on this podcast, where I talk about them. Um, What I will say is I'm currently in the post-game of it. Uh, Some interesting stuff going on. I haven't explored everything you could fully do. Um, But what I will say, in terms of there's this whole, obviously, national decks problem that people had or not all the Pokemon are in the game... I like that because this will be the first time in a Pokemon game where I'm gonna try to hunt down and get everything in the national decks and I can actually accomplish that because there there's only a trade. Exact well you well you, I do need a trade because there's Pokemon not in Sword that aren't shield. Um, sure, but I don't sure. need to go back to previous generations of Pokemon there or anything you. like that. Um, I had a blast with it. There's some quality of life things it does that are really great. The fact that you can access your Pokemon boxes from anywhere and you don't have to go to a PC is, like, one of the best solutions. And I know people are saying, that's something they should introduce ages ago. And, like, yeah, we can sit here and say that about a lot of stuff, but I don't really think that kind of conversation is interesting. The fact that they finally added it I think is good, and it shows that they understand that they have to change because Pokemon is such a franchise that moves at a snail's pace in terms of adding and changing things, that them actually changing something like this is good. Um, I haven't explored the wild area enough to give full comprehensive thoughts, but I have played enough time in it to say that I do think it is a step in the right direction. Once again, there's been some people who have said it didn't meet their expectations and it was overhyped for me. I never got that. I never felt it was overhyped. I never felt that they pushed it as some breath of the wild esque thing. I-, I just never got that personally. It did felt like that. Um, people said it wasn't as big as they thought. I thought it was for me, it was bigger than I thought. And maybe that's coming from the point of, I understand the franchise in terms of uh, going back to what I just said, them moving so slow in terms of doing new innovative things that when I heard, Oh, there's going to be a new wild area. The pessimist in me, the contrarian was like, Oh, it'll be a decently sized area. So I thought of it as smaller than what, what it actually was, you know? So Um,
1: let me give you my current party, Jared okay and I would say most of these are my best pokemon I've got a couple in the box right now that I just needed to make room for lower levels to train some real quick what do you think about the essentially having like uh, the exp share uh, introduced into this game I think Where it makes the game everybody awful. Get, everybody in the party gets experience points whether they battle or not which was a thing only reserved to the was it EXP All was the item in previous games where everyone would get some? Yeah, and there was EXP Mostly Share like that this. you could give
0: to a specific Pokemon.
1: Uh, okay, there you go.
0: Um, I would say it makes the game a lot more accessible to people and less grindy, which I do appreciate. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it does make the game easier if you yeah. understand type advantages and you can set up a party of Pokemon you like because you can ride with that crew throughout the game. Um, it makes, uh, breeding or trying to get the national decks easier because I can put a group of, of guys I'm trying to evolve and level up in my party and I have to worry about using them and swapping out. So I do think it's a balancing act. Like I said, I think it makes the game a lot more accessible. I think it makes the game a lot less grindy. I never found myself at any point grinding this game. I naturally level it up at the pace of hitting these gyms at the right time. So I think both of those outweigh the fact that it makes the game easier because, to this point, I haven't played Pokemon for the difficulty because it's never gotten more difficult. You understand what I'm saying? If they had shown that the game yeah. would progressively get more and more difficult, I'd be disappointed that this was a step back. But because that hasn't been the case of the Pokemon franchise, I'll take the accessibility and the, the removal of unnecessary grind. And the the sure. cool thing with that too, though, Jordan, is because all of my Pokemon are leveling up, I never felt the need to lean on one specific pokemon i could yeah. interchange them and move them back and forth because it's not like oh i'm battling okay for instance uh the grass gym was your first gym too right yeah so say i had a fire shard right score bunny yeah. go into the, the grass gym i'm like okay heading to there i'm like okay i see that the first gym's a grass gym i'ma level my score bunny a bit so he's a stronger so i can have the type advantage and go through then by the time you finish the grass gym if you don't have the xp share He's so much far leveled ahead that you're like, well, do I spend time grinding these lower level guys or do I just continue with Score Bunny? And then you get to a point where you're just using Score Bunny because he's so far ahead of the other Pokemon yep. that it's not worth going to grind, you know? So. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I will say this has <laughs> got to be the easiest Pokemon game I've ever played. And that is really saying something because they are easy fucking games. Um,. If they were going to do this EXP all transition to where that's always turned on, I wish they would have given us difficulty options. Because I feel like you're really needed at that point.
0: What I will say is this is the first Pokemon game in a good while that I died on the final champion uh, multiple times before beating him, knowing type advantages and having Pokemon type advantages. Wow. And what, I, what I mean by that without spoiling the champion Is that it was really well designed in the fact that there's Pokemon that have moves that counteract uh, weaknesses. So for this isn't one of his Pokemon. I don't want to spoil it for you. So for instance, say you're facing a Water type Pokemon. Well, your assumption is, uh, never mind. I'm not gonna use Water. I'm trying to use something. Okay. Electric. So you're facing a Fire type Pokemon. And you're like, okay, for sure, I'm going to use my Dreadnought or my sable. Obviously, Final Evolution of Sobble, whatever the hell it is, Inteleon. Yeah. Cool, I'm going to use Fire Against Water. Got it, unlock. Turns out, that Fire-type Pokemon may know an electric move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then the guess what happens. The mixing of
1: types is what changes that up.
0: Exactly. And in Dynamax and Gigantamax form, certain moves can change to work like other moves. So, Solar Beam, for instance, is a normal-type move in this game. But the moment a Pokemon that has it Gigantamaxes, it it, it works like a grass-type move. Uh, that is weird. And that comes in handy later on in the game, too. So, yeah, it's not super difficult. I, I do wish, yeah, there, it's a, it's to the point now. Pokemon needs to understand that they do have, uh, their demographic is young kids and a huge generation of people who
1: are older that play the games. And I do yeah, think yeah, that they... Quit acting like it's only kids playing this shit. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping we might get that in like a DLC update type of thing. That would be cool if there's like a Master Quest version. But um, my party is a level 31 Machoke. Cool. Um, I have a level 28 uh, Growlithe. Okay i have uh do you want to know uh nicknames if you want sure it's up to you machoke is uppercut okay uh Growlithe is flame claw okay uh raboot which is the evolution of score bunny which is a bad name uh who looks like a shinobi from naruto shippuden um is named sparktail cool Eevee is, uh, just Sylvie, uh, Vulpix is named Noska after Noska of the Valley of the Wind, the studio Ghibli movie, Ghibli movie. And, uh, then my Dreadnought is named Sharpshell. Shell. Ooh, cool. Yeah. I'm surprised
0: so, you're, I'm surprised you're rocking two OG guys in Machoke and Growlithe.
1: Dude, and I've honestly, and Vulpix, um... I've honestly been rocking a lot of OG characters and Eevee, Jared. I've got four out of six are original 151. Hmm. So um, big into that have... I I think they're cooler Pokemon than the newer ones, personally, is the biggest reason why. Um, And then the two that I do have in here are cooler, newer ones. I also really love uh the two new fox pokemon or the fox pokemon that has an evolution uh thievel yeah so what's the first one no clue (laughs) i just remember remember the
0: second evolution
1: but it's like there's still like mining cool creative things out of like a fox where um like if you read the description its tail is like a like a broom almost for when it like steals something because foxes steal things you know it steals something and then wipes away its paw prints with its like sweeping tail it's really cool stuff um and his evolution is very cool so i would say so far yeah the new pokemon i'm not ultra impressed um but there's certainly cool ones i mean that's pretty much how any pokemon generation is but uh
0: i wish i could share my party with you and give you nicknames but looking at him four of the six are pokemon you probably haven't run into
1: yet so i don't want to spoil this for you but what i will say is the best i appreciate that
0: my dreadnought i named franklin for obvious franklin the turtle yeah
1: danklin the turtle uh look up those memes if you want to laugh (laughs) um so yeah just kind of wrapping up my pokemon thoughts i'll say this um you talk about the franchise moving at a snail's pace. And I think that's what's most disappointing about this game. I am certainly enjoying myself. Uh, probably not nearly as high on it as you are. I'm like 10 hours in, I would say. Just finished the third gym. And, um... Yeah, it's just the fact that I was, my brother was sitting over here uh, last night and I was like, dude, the, f- the game that taught me how to read... When I was three or four years old, uh, Pokemon red and blue versions, um, is not that fucking different from this game that I'm playing now. Pokemon shield, like really, when you get down to brass tacks, they have not changed very much at all. Uh, and the, the very few, I would say quality of life improvements are nice, but they could be a lot, just like I was saying with borderlands. It's cool that they have a couple of little things in there, but as far as the series has uh, been, or as long as the series has been going on, I wish that there was a little bit more to it uh, than what we got. Um, I think, you know, Nintendo games are not, to me, they're like closer to like what we get as a double A game on other systems. Now, they're certainly more polished than that, but, um, you know, you're not going to get voice acting, usually. You're not going to get, uh, like, the graphics aren't going to be as good because it's on a less powerful system. So it looks like a double-A game from the PS4, <clears throat> um, if you're playing, like, Fire Emblem or whatever. Um, there's a lot of stuff about it for me that is just not all the way there because they're not making games for the triple-A audience, even though triple-a audience in a lot of ways butters their breads and buys those games and plays them you know it would be nice to be catered to a little bit more um, because i just feel like yeah this is like a kind of a half step they wanted to get a pokemon game out within a couple years of the switch being out i get that i wish they had not done pokemon ultra sun and moon uh, because i would have liked that time spent uh pouring into this game a little bit more because the visuals I don't like as much as you, Jared. I think that they are uh, pretty and colorful for the most part, but they are extremely simplistic and a lot of really rough textures, kind of similar to Fire Emblem earlier this year on Switch. Um, and a big thing for me is that um, with this being the first console Pokemon, you know, I get that there are certain things that. Would be too far fetched, uh, to ask for right. Um, but like, when the game's starting and then it's like the first cutscene and then the, the uh, Rose, the the commissioner or whatever the fuck he is, starts talking and he's like doing the opening cutscene, but there's no sound coming out of his mouth and it's just text popping up on the bottom of the screen. It's like, it's it's taking me out of it because I feel like. This is the first Pokemon game on console. Now, whether you had two years or ten years to make this game, you could have recorded voice acting. I mean, that's not that fucking difficult. Nintendo acts like voice acting is the hardest thing in the world to do because even when they do it in Zelda, they only do it in half the fucking game, and it's still just people making noises and text box boxes for most of the game. So that is starting to get on my nerves as far as Nintendo goes because... I think it's about fucking time... That we just had voice acting in the games... Like... I don't think that's that difficult... And I don't think it's gonna break the... Their universes... Uh... With Mario and Link talking... Uh... As much as people might think it will... Um... I think... I think it's just a step that needs to be taken... Um... And it's not just voice acting... I think that there are other things like... The... Uh... Animations for the Pokemon... Some of them are so fucking cool... Like... Um... My uh Raboot has uh, a <clears throat> has a really cool uh, flame uh, move where he runs and jumps in the air and does a flying like sideways kick and swipes his leg across, and it looks so cool when he does it. And then he has another one double kick where uh, it's supposed to be him kicking, and he just bumps. He just like jumps up, like boop, boop. Just jumps up a tiny little bit into the air. And then there's a foot imprint on the Pokemon across from him. And it's just Man, like, you should, you should see so the... It's so lazy, man. Because there's obviously tons of Pokemon, but they're not... They're, they're drawing from a, a pool of moves, right? So it's like they don't all have individualistic moves. And so, yeah, you see the same moves over and over again. And some of them are really fucking cool. And some of them are... Utterly simplistic and just—I don't understand why they couldn't put a little more effort into it. But sorry, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say I can't wait for you to see the soccer-inspired move that uh, you get for the fire starter late in the game, because um, cool. obviously there's another character who rocks it in in the game. Since I didn't pick it. it, is really yeah. cool. <laughs> it's really dude. Cool. There's
1: like really cool ones, like quick attack. They like they do the Dragon Ball Z like teleport because they're moving so fast. And they bash into the other Pokemon. It's like really, really cool. And then you see the other ones, like I said, Double Kick with Scorbunny. He just, like, just like hops, the tiniest little hop. Like you don't even need to be a bunny to hop that much. And uh, it's just very simplistic and, and quite lazy if you ask me. Um, and there's, there's other things like that in the game. Like the, the characters, I wish the characters looked more like the Pokemon anime. Because that actually has some character to it. Oddly enough and these characters like they're they look like anime characters not the Pokemon anime They just look like super like low-budget basic looking anime characters to me for the most part and um, Obviously their animations are nothing to write home about Um, So I would just like to see a little more effort put into this Pokemon series I think you guys have made enough money on it at this point to give them a little bit of a budget and I would like for it to go to go from b- being like this like almost classic old school style where there's no voice acting and you're just reading text on a screen and the characters don't animate very much. I'd like it to go from that to being a fully fledged console RPG that still holds the core tenets of Pokemon but doesn't have it doesn't feel like it's stuck in the past like this game does in so many ways. There's a lot I love about it, but a lot of it is just like, I mean, the, a lot of things are just like HD versions of what we were getting on the Game Boy Color in the 90s. You know, like the the battle animation screens and, and the name like naming conventions of the characters. Like, you're battling Last Christina, you know, you're battling Biker... Jared, whatever, you know, it's like Not everything needs to remain the same not everything needs to be this like hallowed tradition of cute little Pokemon um, Hallmarks, you know, like some of these things can change and we can still have that core Pokemon experience without it starting to honestly It's felt stale for years at this point and the fact that they brought it to a home console and finally did that home RPG that everybody's been asking for for all these fucking years and to me it's just an HD version of what you could already play on the 3ds for years at this point um, There sure yeah, is differences then... from like Sun and Moon to this but um, there's not a whole lot on here if you didn't just like downgrade the resolution I'm not sure that you couldn't fit this on a 3DS if you kind of just like tweaked a few things. Obviously, like perspectives would have to change, this, that, and the other. But you're not pushing anything outside the boundaries of a handheld console, which that's what the Switch is supposed to do. It's supposed to be a handheld console that can push into the boundaries of a home console, and that's not what they're doing here, which is uh, the the biggest disappointment for me.
0: Yeah. um, The one thing I will say is I... Do not envy their position for the simple fact that uh, we've seen the amount of backlash they've gotten for simply saying that the entire Pokedex isn't going to be in this game and the vitriol right. and internet hate that they got for that which is like that's something that's neither here nor there to me I could give two shits about you made a lot of salient points that to me actually matter so it's like right? to some extent I understand why they're so afraid of changing from the past because they do something like this and they see how badly everyone reacts to it yeah there's um, plenty
1: of fucking Pokemon in the game, okay guys? Like exactly. there are plenty and there's plenty, like you saw my my party was just stacked with OG characters. Like you can get the ones that you want for the most part now. Can you get every single one, every single legendary from every single generation? No, but but why? Why do you need that? Just so you can go, hey, look at my look at my screen right here. I'm gonna show you my party. And I'm gonna scroll through, and you can see that I have a fucking Articuno from twenty years ago. Like, who really gives a fuck, you know?
0: Well, I think I think that's cool to have, but the problem is it's cool is to that have, but that...
1: like, it's not something that you can carry on to like the rest of the internet, and like, it's gonna be a badge on your Facebook profile and all this other shit. Like, it's just it's just well, yeah. in that game, you know?
0: But the thing is, like, if people want to have that, that's cool. What I'm what I was sure, gonna say sure. is, if you care that much about it, you have Pokemon Bank. Pokemon Home is eventually coming, and they'll live in that. Like, if you care that much, you already have systems in place to where you're saving those Pokemon. show so... it off. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't understand... Yeah, people are idiots. And that's, that's all it is, is just
1: showing off. You know, people just, like I said, want to show somebody their screen and be like, dude, there's an Articuno in my fucking party. Like, no one else has that. Sure, great. But it's not even, like, an achievement on a profile somewhere. Like, once we move on to the next Nintendo uh, system, like no one's gonna know that you had an articuno just as an example you know
0: well they will because pokemon home will, i'll probably be there too because that's gonna if it's a not in like an
1: actual game sense is what i'm saying and you're yeah. not gonna have a playstation trophy or an xbox achievement saying that you got that you know it's like that's sucks the most not man <laughs> good at like archiving your achievements guys quit worrying yeah. about what pokemon you have in the latest game like if or worry about it, just but don't... show them... You've brought them over all these other times. Like, you might have them on Pokemon Sun and Moon. Just show people that, Articuno, you know? Yeah, it you just... You got the, it. The... You're, you fucking caught the Pokemon, dude. Then <laughs> we don't have to have all 18,000 in one game. It's ridiculous.
0: And I still wouldn't agree with it, but I'd understand it more if we didn't already have the announcement of Pokemon Home coming to Switch, right? Of like yeah. there's going to be a tangible way to save all of them. And these type of stuff that that these people complain about it just drowns out the actual changes that people want made to these games. So, anyways, we Not talked about Jedi lead, Fallen Order.
1: Be working on.
0: Yeah, exactly. Talked about Pokemon. We're gonna move on to the news here. Uh, next Real quick, cool, we'll obviously... Jared.
1: Can I just talk about one more video game? Okay. Very fast. I also purchased Need for Speed Heat. Which. Um...
0: Got pretty Go decent reviews, and I the team celebrated that they had seen the the highest player base they have seen in, like, seven years or something crazy.
1: Which is great, and I'm really glad for them. I am enjoying my time with the game. It's a solid Need for Speed game. But the problem is, Jared, it's exactly what you were talking about last week with these certain franchises where it's like, Okay, I don't like what they're doing with the franchise now, so can we just get this entry out so we can step the (laughs) fuck over that (laughs) and move on, right? Well, that's what we've needed to do with Need for Speed since Need for Speed 2015, right? But in 2017, we got this thing that sent us back into the fucking Dark Ages. You know, one step forward and two steps back, right, is what we did. And... So now Need for Speed Heat, basically all it's done is like gotten us back to good. It's not like blowing your socks off, like, wow, this is what Need for Speed could be. Wow, this is where Need for Speed's going in the future. No, they just got it back to being a good game again, which is great, and I'm glad, but most of the features that they implemented, a lot of the features that they implemented, the big ones, are just bringing back stuff that they yanked out for payback that people... Freak the fuck out about and then they're either like oh, okay we'll, we'll bring that back for this game so really they're just making it feature complete again it's not even like flourishing and pushing on into the new generation or whatever you want to call it maybe we'll get that uh, you know here in a couple years um, on the next gen but uh, yeah that is what's saddening not necessarily disappointing about this specific game because it didn't do anything wrong right But, um, it just sucks that like, yeah, this is great, but it's pretty much just on par with need for speed rivals and need for speed 2015, the other great, uh, need for speed games this gen. Um, and it is really just kind of digging us out of the hole that payback put us in. So that's, that's the unfortunate reality of that. I'll have more, uh, opinions on it in the weeks to come as I, you know, get further into it and actually am driving better cars and stuff like that um, but at least if nothing else man it's this cool neon need for speed type thing Vice City style I dig that um, at least we've got a good need for speed game and they pulled out the microtransactions uh, which is great but like I said I, I want to see where we're moving forward you know not just get back to square one
0: and on the bright side, it releasing this year means that there's zero chance it'll be a launch game for next-gen, which is good. Because obviously launch games don't yeah. have the best track record of, right. uh, you know, they're but, good at the best. They I mean, E4
1: Speed Rivals is, I think, was 2014, a year later. But that's, you know, launch window-ish type of thing. Yeah. And, man, uh, fuck, dude. Like, there's a lot of people still playing that game. Um,
0: that, that's a so, year after, yeah, though. That's, like, launch window it. I'm talking like, thank God, we're not going to have a Need for Speed game launching day and date with the new consoles. You know what I mean? That kind of third-party situation. Um, We went for quite a while on Fallen Order and Pokemon, which isn't surprising because we have a lot of interest in both of those franchises. So, good discussion. Um, Let's hop into the quickie news here. There wasn't any major news story, but we're going to go through all of these. Some were interesting than others, but I thought all of them were at least worthy enough to mention here. First off. Uh, Minecraft became the first Microsoft game to sell a million units in Japan, so that's really cool. Um, obviously, Very Mi- Microsoft doesn't have a huge units footing is in Japan.
1: Nothing, dude. Yeah, a million units, Microsoft. You guys have been struggling for Japan. Holy I shit. think it's. I think it's a good mark, though. Uh, I don't know. For the there's country, be like, I, I, I just feel like there's got to be like. Other games, like, Western-created games that are selling multiple millions of copies in Japan, no problem. Yeah. I guess...
0: Yeah. (laughs) Can't argue. that. As you said, their foothold there is so
1: small, unfortunately, that, like... That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like, holy shit. Now, Phil Spencer has done a lot this generation to turn things around for Xbox and Microsoft in Japan. But, my god it is like when you hear about some of the stuff that has gone on over there and like the reason that we even got an xbox slim controller on the og xbox was because japan was not having the duke they were not about that big bulky shit in their tiny cramped tokyo apartment so like not that it, a controller's taking up your whole apartment but you get what i'm saying <laughs> like, Yeah. They were just not about that shit, and so they've had the struggle going for a long time. We'll see if they can ever gain a foothold, but you know, Japan is not moving more towards home console gaming. So Microsoft is, you know, that is their focus with the Xbox, seemingly with the next uh, Xbox that we're gonna get. So, but Cloud could be their foot in the door. Their B. like
0: their backdoor entry there, right? Of streaming. Where Certainly you don't need a to own an Xbox, yeah, yeah, could be a way. Also, they expressed interest in if uh, buying a Japanese studio or founding a Japanese studio. So, yeah, um,
1: can... that... it's weird, man. Like when they try to do exclusive games that are from Japan on Xbox, it always seems to go weird, you know, scale bound or whatever. But we'll see. Best of luck to them. Uh, Blue
0: Dragon was was pretty well received. I mean, I was, Jade yeah, Empire wasn't like, wasn't Japanese developed. That was but uh, Blue Fire Dragon
1: is a Xbox three sixty exclusive from a long time ago. Like and Lost Odyssey and stuff like that. Like people bring those games up, but it's like clearly they're few and far between. And also, if it's been that long since we have good examples, they're just they clearly don't have the the foothold, well, like we said, that they would like to, I'm sure, if you talk to Phil Spencer.
0: And thankfully for Phil Spencer, in the last five years, or, yeah, five years, because he took, no, four years, that he's, because it was 2015, I think, when he took over. Uh, you look at the track record of he has bringing Kingdom Hearts to to Xbox, he has Final Fantasy to Xbox, now he has Yakuza to Xbox. Uh, there's uh, Nier to Xbox. Uh, Final Fantasy
1: 13 was on Xbox, so that was... Back
0: in three sixty, yeah, uh, classic Final Fantasy. Sorry, um, sure. Good and uh, what was the MMO that they announced last year at E three that's coming Xbox? Uh, ben Moore from Easy Allies loves it. What the heck is it called? Fantasy. Man, Star the name's Online. Fantasy Star Online. Yeah. So he's made a, a good amount of groundwork in the four years. He always talks about flying They'll over to cry. Japan. Dude, so yeah, he's...
1: they've done. they they've honestly worked a lot of wonders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Next up, former Arcane Studios directors Rafael Colatino and Julian Robbie announced their new independent studio called Wolfeye Studios. The coolest thing about this is they put up a teaser image, and they stated that the reveal of their game is going to be at the Game Awards. So yep. we're going to be seeing a first look at their indie game. Yep, yep. Um, obviously, Arcane Studios, the guys behind Dishonored, uh, among other things. Obviously, people love their immersive sim stealth action. I know Dom does. Yeah. Dom's a huge man. Um, next up. This one is kind of troublesome. Uh, Campo Santo if you're not familiar were the developers of Firewatch. They unveiled two years ago, one year ago at the Game Awards uh, their next game that was called In the Valley of the Gods. Right, Really beautiful game. Looks like two, uh, two uh, uh, archaeologist uh, women out in Egypt looking for something. Um, Looks really beautiful. Obviously has their a uh, distinct art style from Firewatch. Well, people had noticed that in February of this year, when they were purchased by Valve, if you didn't know Camposanto was purchased by Valve, they, the lead artist, who's Jane... Uh, Jane Ing, I believe is her last name, and a couple of the other leads on the game all had working on In the Valley of the Gods in their bios, right? Because they were so proud of the game, they had revealed it, yada, yada, yada. Well, uh, about a month ago... The game's title was removed from all of their Twitter bios, and they just now say that they're working at Valve, and the game has kind of disappeared from Valve's official
1: website. So very weird. People and are. They worried. were all talking like, when they got acquired, weren't they talking about how this was gonna help them, you know, do even greater things with that game specifically, and have even more creative freedom with that game?
0: Yep. And if you don't know. Valve has had built a recent, I guess not recent, but has built a track record of being known as the place where all of these projects are yeah, occurring, about. but nothing ever sees the light of day, and they're always yeah. canned. So yeah. people are worried that that might happen within the Valley of the Gods. There's no confirmation yet, but for the lead artist and the lead producer to have that as a badge of honor on their Twitter bio, and then all of a sudden remove that. I mean, uh, he says has, this is
1: an indie studio. This is not Respawn Entertainment, who's working on. Star Wars games and uh, uh, Apex Legends and, you know, maybe the next mainline Titanfall, um, where if you take that off your Twitter bio and you work at uh, Respawn, you take off Apex from your Twitter bio, it's like, oh, they probably just moved him over to the next mainline Titanfall or whatever.
0: Their unannounced project. Yeah, this is an indie yeah, studio like, working on one game at a time. This is an indie
1: <laughs> studio working on one fucking game and now apparently... None of the people at that studio are working on that game? Well, sounds like a cancellation to me. My worry
0: is that Valve was like, hey, yeah, we want you to finish that game, but uh, we want you to go over here and, you know, work on this uh, Half-Life VR VR game.
1: experiences we've been thinking about.
0: Yeah. That wasn't in the news this week. They announced a new Half-Life VR game. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just not somebody who cares about that. Um, I, I think Valve needs to understand that there's an entire generation of people who don't care. Like, uh, I forgot what it was on, but somebody was making the argument that, I think it was Gary Whitta. If you're familiar with Gary Whitta, writer of Rogue One, amongst a lot of other things, he's often on the Kind of Funny Games daily. He's He said that he believes that uh, Half-Life is Valve's biggest uh, IP in terms of games. Personally, my personal opinion is I would strongly what? disagree with that. I think that Left for Dead or Portal would be their most popular uh, if you're talking about, about the like a uh, team fortress as well, even then, I don't think, I think more people pop culture knows about left for dead than uh, team fortress.
1: What about, aren't they Dota?
0: Dota as well. Exactly. Yeah. There's tons of, so tons of other it's arguments. It's easily
1: Dota. It is easily Dota. I know we're not into that style of game, but that's, that's where it is.
0: I, I, from a sheer people playing the game, I agree with you. From a take a hundred people off the street and name these game titles, which one do they recognize? I would say most people would get uh, would recognize Portal or Left or Dead over all of those. But Dote yeah, obviously I mean, has a tremendous leave Half Life
1: in the fucking basement for 15, <laughs> 18 years, and nobody in pop culture recognizes it, you know? That's and how it works.
0: I think it's a, it's a perspective of somebody who's older who grew up with Half Life and saw its heyday when it was the biggest thing. It was the shooter, right? On PC. And because they haven't done anything with the property, I think. A lot of people in the industry that are older, because it does skew older now, they don't understand, like, most of my friends, I, they can name tons of video game IPs, even ones they don't play. A lot of them wouldn't really be familiar with Half-Life, man. A lot yeah, of them. It's,
1: it's, it, and a lot of gamers don't recognize that, you know, when we yeah. talk about Half-Life 3 all the fucking time, it's just... There is a very small group of people, or I won't even say that. There is a group of people in the gaming community who care a lot about seeing the release of Half-Life 3. There is a much larger group that care about hearing about the release of Half-Life 3, right? Like, they would just like to see it happen. And then there's an even bigger part of the gaming community that doesn't give a fuck.
0: It's like, okay, cool, Half-Life 3. That's a meme I heard about once. Um, yeah. yeah. Next up, Nintendo, speaking of Pokemon, Nintendo has reported that in its first two days, Pokemon Sword and Shield have become the fastest-selling Nintendo Switch title to date. Um, in two days, they sold six, sold through six million copies, which is actually pretty important. Sold through means to consumers. A lot of times, companies report sold-in uh, numbers, Shipped. which are shipped. This is sold through, which in in my personal opinion is more impressive because it's directly in oh, the hands yeah. of the consumers. Now, um, Jared,
1: real quick do you think, I'm a little worried about this because now I'm thinking that they may have gone into this going, okay, we're going to do Sword and Shield, it's going to get us on the Switch we'll be there, we'll have a game out on the system, and then we can go from there and maybe build a Breath of the Wild or Mario Odyssey style Pokemon game. I'm worried that they're looking at these numbers and going, fucking just keep milking that Pokemon train that we've been on for 20 fucking years, man.
0: I think that uh, Janichi Masuda, who's obviously the game director for Pokemon, and a lot of those producers there, first of all, they likely don't care about the money aspect of it or the sales because that doesn't affect their job in any real tangible way. I think what really affected them, honestly, was the not the hateful trolley feedback from people, but the actual fans who have voiced that they want they they wanted more from this game and yeah. I do I don't think that this hurts the pace at which they were planning to evolve the franchise. Okay. I'm just not sure if the, the the pace is as fast as we wanted if that makes sense. I don't oh, think this yeah. has any bearing on that. Um, okay. another okay. note to this in its uh, first two days obviously we talked about how it sold through six million units two million of those were specifically in the united states which is really good and that opening alone makes it the eighth best-selling game on switch for those two days so more than likely this game is going to shoot to the top pokemon games always do uh they're uh man they're they're gold no matter how i mean they're never terrible they're never often times they're never great they're always for the most part good good and no matter what, they sell like hotcakes, man. Fly off the shelves.
1: Are we going to have another spinoff next year? 2020?
0: Uh, I can't answer that question without spoiling the game, Jordan. When you finish the game, we can have that discussion.
1: Oh, I didn't even think about, like, a third version, like, Pokemon Spear or whatever.
0: Yeah, I I want to talk to you about that when you finish Wait, the wait, game. wait.
1: Go ahead and tell me, because there's a very big chance that I don't finish. I don't really finish Pokemon games. You know I don't even finish a lot of games, period, so. One of go the neater parts, this isn't super spoiler,
0: one of the neater parts about this game is they introduce some side characters that go through a process of starting to train with other gym leaders to eventually take over for them. Uh, so for the my leaders. assumption is playing through that, and some characters, I'm going to spoil this bit for you because it's not huge hugely important to the story. You know Sonya? Do
1: it. Uh, the, she's the the scientist, the redheaded jacket. scientist girl.
0: Yeah. By the end of the game, she takes over for her grandma as, like, the professor of the region, right? Gosh. So that's one character I assume in the third version, she's going to actually be set in stone, the professor. There's another character who's training with one of the gym leaders because that gym leader isn't necessarily in the best spot to continue being the gym leader. So I guarantee you in the third version, they're going to take over that gym, right? They'll be the gym leader of that gym there's another person who has a a relative who is the gym leader who might not be in the best place to continue being the gym leader. And she necessarily doesn't train with that person, but you talk to her a lot and you kind of figure out like, Oh, she'll probably be the gym leader in the third version of the game. Like there's a lot of stuff in there. That's like, I could, it could easily be nothing or it could be, they're setting this up. So a, there's a little bit enough of a change. They can sell that third version With some changes to what's going on, you know?
1: Now, Um, if we don't get, let's say, Pokemon Spear next year, Pokemon Axe, uh, are we getting, you know, Pokemon Let's Go 2? I believe the
0: Pokemon uh, company said that they don't have any immediate plans to make any follow-up Let's Go games. I could have sworn I saw that uh, on a headline. Could have just been a mis- they can quote or something, but I could have sworn I saw that. Are we getting uh, a
1: Pokemon game next year, Jared, on the Switch? Uh,
0: Yes. Mainline? I don't know. I wouldn't doubt if we and got would like...
1: Would you consider Pokemon Spear to be mainline?
0: Yes. those got The you. third version is always mainline. We All might right. see Pokemon Pixel Cross. We might see something weird. We could see Pokemon Spear. Um, I'd be interested to see if they evolve on specifically the wild area because that is so tied to the Galar region that we get a sword and shield 2 situation just like we did with black Black and white and black and white 2 um, and that'd be really interesting if they use that as like okay we nailed the wild area in this let's take it to the next level um, because for them to do black and white 2 and just put a 2 on the end of it was pretty crazy you know for the Pokemon franchise that never happened they always changed the name so, if they want to expand specifically on the wild area concept, I wonder if they would do that. Or, I mean, the United States is a pretty big country. Imagine how wild that would be if the, the game where we do see a tangible change in the wild area is next level, right? That yeah. it takes place in a United States-style uh, region, because obviously the regions are all based on real-world locations. Um,
1: interesting. Are we we DLC for this game, substantial DLC, not just like no. extra Pokemon.
0: I don't think so. I think we could just see an update where they Pokemon add like items. Gen One Pokemon or something, but nothing substantial. No. Um. Yeah. Lastly, this is the last bit of news before we close out. Uh, supposed images of the DualShock Five have leaked. Jordan, did you get a glimpse of these from I'll the Japanese patent office? I was so, actually
1: looking at the. Supposed, well, I guess it's pretty much confirmed the PS5 uh, dev kits I was looking at today.
0: Yeah. So this new controller includes bigger triggers, smaller sticks, a USB port, no light bar at all. They're removing that. And uh, this is something that you'll understand, but maybe listeners might have a hard time understanding what I'm saying by this. The grip on the handles of the controller, Jordan, you know how on the DualShocks they're more cylindrical, whereas on the Xbox they're more of like a triangle, like a Dorito chip shape? You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the DualShock 5's uh, handles look more wider. Sharp. They look like, they. it looks more like an Xbox controller than a PlayStation controller. They've made them a little bit more girthy and less cylindrical, tubey on them, according to that paint. Obviously, so that patent a bit isn't sharper com- feel to it. They're just like a meteor. Okay, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, this design, I can see what you're saying. So got that giant touchpad, bro.
0: Yeah, they removed the light bar, kept the touchpad. This isn't super confirmed, but the fact that it came from the Japanese patent office and there's some other things leading to it. Uh, it's from Sony. It's a Sony uh, patent. Is like, yeah, this is probably more than likely a DualShock 5. Um, Triggers are bigger, not much bigger. Uh, Obviously, with the headlines, they want people to freak out, so they just say bigger triggers. That makes you think that they're way larger. They're not. They're subtly larger. Sticks, once again, they're not extremely smaller. They're subtly smaller. Um, The biggest change is obviously no light bar and the handle shapes. Um, but even those aren't that drastic. It's not like, it's not now an Xbox controller, you know. It's just slightly different than the DualShock 4.
1: Yeah. Still Any staying thoughts? in the family. Still staying in the family with the, uh, most likely having the DualShock name and look and feel of it as well. Um, so, yeah, not a whole lot to say there. But um, we'll see about that haptic feedback. We'll see if it's, you know, something to write home about, but you know, I can't be upset here because I certainly dig the fuck out of the DualShock 4. I think pound for pound, you know, just looking at everything generally, I would say my favorite controller of all time. Um, so looking like we're headed in the right direction. I could, I would say.
0: Yeah, and for me it's the Xbox One and I already know that my controller is going to work on the next Xbox, which is dope yeah. and I doubt that the next Xbox's controller is going to be any different than uh, the current one. So I'd like
1: it to be a little bit bigger. Go back to the size of the 360 controllers because my hands kind of get, my meat hands kind of get claw-like around that <laughs> smaller uh,
0: controller. That's been it for this week's show, guys. Thank you guys for listening. In terms of what we're going to be playing, more Jedi Fallen Order for me. Going to be working towards that national decks now and finishing the the post-game stuff. Um, It's not my priority now. I'm shifting my priority to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, but still going to be enjoying both of those. Um, I want to get Jedi Fallen Order done in the next week or so, so I can hit my backlog uh, of a couple of... I want to get to Metro, and uh, there's, I think, a couple other games I want to get to, Remnant from the Ashes. Uh, during our, our extended holiday break. Um, for those of you who don't know, before Jordan lets us know what he's going to be playing, uh, we're going to have some pre recorded stuff in December, some evergreen stuff talking about uh, predictions for next year and a lot of other things. We will be doing a reactions podcast to what happens at the Game Awards, um, but pretty much everything else in December will be pre recorded evergreen stuff. And we'll be coming back in the new year uh, with our Game of the Year discussion and stuff like that. So stay tuned for all of that we'll see dom next week as well jordan yep. more star wars jedi fallen order pokemon need for speed maybe you gonna yeah, dive back like
1: in? i'm certainly gonna play all of these games more but now that i kind of just had that rush last weekend of being like yeah i'm having a fun time with pokemon but you know it's been a week and need for speed seems to be you know turned around from payback maybe i'll I'll go ahead and download that. What's 60 bucks, you know, between friends, me and a- EA, you know? Um, <laughs> but then uh, then I was like, you know what? Because I was talking about it with you last week on the show. Of like, you know what's even cooler than having a brand new awesome game that you're loving is having two that you can bounce back and tw- back and forth between. And you know what's better than two, Jared? Three. Three, yep. So, so I just went ahead. It was all on Saturday. I was like playing through Pokemon and that came out on Friday. Obviously preloaded that, but jumped into Need for Speed earlier in the day. And then by the, by the evening I was jumping into Fallen Order. Um, and I think this is probably how I'm going to do games from now on. I'm, I'll miss out on the orange lightsaber pre-orders, you know, in the future. But, uh, yeah, with how quick I can download a game at this point, uh, in the game, I guess, uh, I think I'll probably just like be waiting for reviews a lot more and jumping in on day, later on, on day one or, you know, maybe on day two or three for some of these games, maybe even further on down the road. But all that to be said, uh yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be playing mm-hmm. at least some of all three of those games at some point this week and... You know, Pokemon is something that I've just been putting on my second TV screen, while I watch uh, Star Wars: Clone Wars. I didn't get to talk about it earlier, but uh, um, that is certainly how I'm going to be doing that game. And it's clearly not a story-driven type thing, right? That you need to hear cutscenes or anything. I've still got the music coming through my TV speakers over there, so I can hear that. I will say I'm not in love with it once again kind of a disappointment that they didn't bring it on the console um, with some actual instruments as opposed to like really MIDI sounding tracks um but yeah Jedi Fallen Order is uh the Star Wars game that I fucking needed I don't know about you Jared I know you're not um as into Star Wars maybe as I am but uh it was the game that I needed from the Star Wars universe and and the force is with it, I guess you could say. You know.
0: Yeah. Um, I I didn't play Battlefront 2, so I didn't have that bother me. And then yeah. we're obviously on—I want to say polar opposites—but we're definitely on different ends of the Last Jedi spectrum. <laughs> um,
1: but every day, every day, my opinion <laughs> goes down on that movie.
0: Uh, but we're both really enjoying Mandalorian. We're both enjoying Jedi Fallen yep. Order. Uh, we'll see how episode uh, episode nine fares. But yeah. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. thank you guys um, for listening
0: sorry I thought you were on my bed I,
1: I, I do love fucking Star Wars and so I do kind of like to take stock of that every now and then of like where are we with Star Wars and so if dude if JJ can just pull it out you know just get across the fucking finish line in this trilogy from my perspective and, and certainly plenty of others um, then I'm gonna be really happy with that jared because it means we're walking into 2020 taking a break from the films which i'm so okay with we so need that uh we've had you know star wars movies every consecutive year since 2015 and so i'm glad that we're gonna do that and Uh, i think even
0: if you enjoy the new trilogy like i do or you're somebody who's hit or miss with it like you i also agree like it's great to have that that like that time to breathe right and it's not going to be, yeah. we're not going to be devoid of Star Wars content. We're going to be getting a new season of
1: uh, Rebels, right, in February? Uh, Clone Wars. Clone Wars, sorry, Clone Wars. We're doing the final, 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 final season of Clone Wars after Netflix already brought it back for season six.
0: We got the Kenobi series that'll happen sometime next year or the maybe year after. Maybe 2021,
1: maybe yeah. 2021, but but it's possible next year and certainly we'll hopefully be looking at season two of Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Yep. And I'm hoping that they can turn it around with the novels, uh, and just that's the one thing is, is is big fucking surprise, guys. Spoilers: Disney drove Star Wars kind of into the ground pretty fast. Um, there's a big hullabaloo about the toys and how that is like a nightmare situation. I think that they've put out way too many lackluster novels. I think that they put out a lot of like decent comics, but they could tighten that up just a little bit more. We're finally, finally getting decent video games. Um, And now we're getting cool live action TV series, which we've never had for Star Wars. We're going to have Clone Wars coming back. Fucking Resistance is ending, thank God. So that awful looking show will be done. And like we said last week, you can step over that log in this franchise and move forward uh, in the animation department. So... Yeah, sorry to totally derail this podcast at the very last second, but I feel like when it comes to Star Wars, I can take a deep breath and just try not to listen to the things that comes out of Kathleen Kennedy's mouth, and we're okay. We're okay, Jared. We're okay. Thank you guys for listening to
0: episode 167 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Uh, Hopefully Dom's back next week. If you can, please go to Twitter, at C-T-R-L-I-N-T, it's Controlled Interest abbreviated. Follow us there. We tweet out whenever the new podcast goes live or anything else related to video games that crosses our mind. You can follow me personally at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos, or you can follow Jordan at Melomotis. On YouTube, if you search Controlled Interest, we'll pop up. Subscribe there. Hit the bell notification. It'll notify you when we upload new videos, because you can't trust these sub boxes on YouTube, because they're...
1: Algorithm.
0: They're fickle mistresses. Uh... <laughs> If you go to iTunes, if you listen to us there, uh, go ahead and hit the review button and leave us a review. Helps us move up the dreaded algorithm there as well so more people can see us. And on YouTube uh, as well, liking the video, it's all about those, those um, calls to action to help us get more viewers. Even if it's one additional viewer each week, it's more than we had the previous week. Um, so we appreciate any and all help we get from you guys doing that stuff. So we'll catch you guys next week. Have a great Thanksgiving. You'll probably hear this before your Thanksgiving happens. Or, yes, you'll hear this before, but you won't hear our next podcast until after Thanksgiving. That's what I meant to say. Happy
1: holidays, everyone. Time
0: travel. It's crazy. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.